0: as the official health care provider of minnesota united alina health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition and with expertise in orthopedics sports medicine heart care and more alina has the team to keep your family in the game too the experts at alina health take the time to get to know you as a whole person helping you achieve wellness for your mind body and spirit It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org.
1: Welcome into another edition of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. Jonathan Harrison here. Pleased to be joined by Hank Stebbins. Pleased to be joined, uh, pleased to be back as host or co host of Sound of the Loons in place of Kinder e. Alvin, who's uh, covering the Women's World Cup for Fox Sports down in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Jonathan Harrison here back again, joined by Assistant Technical Director Hank Stebbins. Uh, plenty to talk about on the field, but today we will focus on how that product on the field is brought to Minnesota uh, with the assistant technical director how are you doing today hank
2: i'm doing well thanks for having me excited to be here it's my first podcast so uh excited to go. Be on this journey with you and to have such a, a capable navigator thank you
1: let's go uh let's uh let's let's dive into your background here before we dive into how minnesota united how you help uh put the product on the field uh what's your role with the club entail as the assistant technical director
2: Uh, You know, assistant technical director is an interesting term. I think there's a number of men and women in assistant technical director and assistant general manager type roles throughout the league and their backgrounds and what they do every day varies. The the term is used loosely. For me, my background is as an attorney. I was an attorney A firm called Lane Powell in Portland, Oregon for the seven years before I came here to Minnesota United. I came to Minnesota United uh, earlier this year as the kind of preparation for the transfer window started to pick up. Prior to being an attorney, I was a division one college soccer coach. So I was an assistant coach at Oregon State University. Prior to that, I was an assistant coach at Georgia State University. Uh, Prior to that, I played a bit I played in college, and I played in the PDL, and I was in a for a brief time the assistant general manager of a, a PDL team at the age of 22, which entailed doing laundry and making sure players showed up on time. So that's my background and, and how I ended up here.
1: Running a team as a 22 year old that's a it's a big. Step well, I mean, it's day.
2: a it was a very small operation. the the, <laughs> the Vermont Voltage no longer exists. Not that I ran into the, the ground. Incredible organization, <laughs> several titles in their history. Put a couple of players in the Bundesliga and. A couple players on that team. I think a couple of goalkeeper coaches around MLS played goalkeeper for that team, as did I. Uh, so a rich and storied history I actually uh, played for two now defunct PDL franchises, the Vermont voltage and the Yakima Reds. So I have a pretty poor uh, track record in that space.
1: <laughs> What's that like uh, playing uh, in the PDL or what was that like for you playing in there uh, in that division and then uh, helping run a team in that division?
2: Yeah, it was fun. It was a blast. I mean, that's when I sat down, um, you know, it's funny, there's a lot of folks at our club within, I mean, you know, when you talk about Adrian and and you talk about Mark and you talk about Manny, incredible high level experience uh, in soccer, national teams, uh, you know, the first division and all these titles, they have an experience that I don't, but I have an experience sort of at the, at the lowest levels. Uh, And so when you talk about PDL uh, in Vermont uh, at that time, you know, yeah, you're playing in front of 50 fans a game on a good day you sometimes you're the mascot when you're the uh, assistant general manager sometimes you do the laundry uh, and you do everything you can to a help the team win and to sell tickets and yeah it was a blast and that's when I sat down and decided you know at at a pretty early age you know what's the funnest thing I could possibly do uh, in my career and I thought you know it'd be pretty cool to do this at a at a higher level right to to be uh, the leader of a soccer team off the field Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's when I decided okay I want to take a look at going to law school and, and how can I make that happen? And, and to do that for me was to be an assistant coach at the division one level. I was a graduate assistant at first to, to get through law school. And that's kind of how I put me on the journey here. So long answer, but the short answer to your question. Yeah, absolutely. A blast. I have incredible memories of that time.
1: So stops it in Vermont, stops in Georgia, stops in Oregon. What drew you to Minnesota United?
2: Connected with Minnesota United through um, relationships I had with the Portland Timbers. Uh, I served uh, for them as outside counsel on a couple matters, developed relationships with some folks in the front office there, uh, and was introduced to some members of the front office here in Minnesota, became aware that there was a position they had a need for someone with my background. um, We're looking for someone with a bit more legal experience, deal experience, uh, to support the technical staff. I think we have a really a strong technical staff with deep experience in the soccer market. And I think they were looking for someone that could enhance what we already had with a little bit more of a commercial background. Uh, And I was fortunate that I fit in that niche with having a soccer background, but also having the commercial background.
1: Nice. All right. So let's jump into uh, the player acquisitions. Um, We'll kind of look at some of the player acquisitions from this last transfer window in a bit, but I want to start off broadly. How, do you guys as the technical team go about identifying targets uh, for the club on the field? And what is that process of acquiring a player like?
2: So that's a big question. How do we go about it? Changes, uh, depending on the deal, uh, depending on the player. It's funny. I listened to, um, I listened to a a podcast. I don't know what, I hate to like give credit to another MLS teams podcast. I think it's like Verde and black. It's Austin's podcast. And Sean Rubio was on there and he, I don't know Sean's title right now. Uh, and I don't know him personally, but he's, he's there. Uh, he was the interim sporting director. I'm not sure what his title is currently, but anyway, they asked him, what is it like when you do a deal, describe a deal to us? And his answer was every single deal is different. And, uh, you know, only, you know, being somewhat new to this role, I can, I can speak to that and, and every single deal is different. I will say that our talent identification process is evolving uh as we you know as we speak we we at when i came in we brought in director of scouting andrew gregor uh we have uh scout lead scout harrison heath we have luis espejo uh, who's now our scouting and data Data analytics coordinator which is a, a new part of our process that we're really growing out alex derose our vp of soccer operations is involved in that as well and all that flows up into mark and then to adrian uh, where decisions are made, but you know, I talk about all those people to emphasize that what we've done is started to build a really thorough process for identifying targets internationally, narrowing those targets using uh, internal metrics. But also, you know, number one, what we believe in here is that players have to be seen. Players have to be seen in person. Our scouts have to travel. Our scouts have to do that legwork. Uh, it's not just done. Uh, I think. There are some websites that joke about it, but it's not just done on a spreadsheet, right? We're there, we're doing that legwork. And so we still believe in that, but we're also enhancing uh, our process so that we are using multiple tools to make a decision about whether we like a player. And then ultimately when we've identified a player, the process for negotiating the deal changes for every single player. Every single player is different. Um, whether our initial contact is, you know, I think there's been quite a bit of reporting about when Timu Puki came in, you know, we had an in there, right. Uh, with Robin Ludd. Yeah. Uh, so that was a very helpful part of that deal. There are other players where we don't have that in and we've got to go in and try to find the relationship. And sometimes it's one of the challenges is finding a phone number, right? It's, <laughs> How do we get a hold of the right person? Who do we need to know? Things like that. So it just depends.
1: So when I look at some of the deals, at the deals that the club has pulled together over this last transfer window, it seems like uh, there's a couple different uh, avenues that you guys had to go through. And I kind of want to dive into each one of those. Timo Pukki, Ethan Bristow coming over from England, uh, bringing in guys internationally. What's, I guess, what's the challenge with bringing in guys internationally from outside the league for a club in MLS?
2: There's a ver- there's a variety of challenges, but there's also a lot of good things that MLS provides us that makes it easier. You know, one thing that we have is sort of an easy button in the league when it comes time to actually do the nitty gritty contract details. We have an army of lawyers in New York that help us with that. You know, we can certainly, I can help negotiate terms, but we are able to turn things around really quickly because of what the league offers us. So there's certainly challenges in the single entity structure of the league. Um, that I would say, and I would say that's the biggest challenge, right? Is for example, uh, one of the deals we did this year, we, and I think every executive at every team in the league would speak to this, we're negotiating the deal and the team we're negotiating with came back and said, we want, we, the team that is selling the player, we want a payment every time a sell on fee, every time the player is transferred within MLS well, we can't do that because he's literally not transferred within MLS because MLS is a single legal entity. So his p- player registration isn't transferred And to zoom out a little bit yeah. for, for people that aren't as familiar with that process. When we're transferring a player, people say we're buying and selling players. And I don't like to say that because what we're doing is we are purchasing the right to register that player with FIFA. So we're buying their player registration. And so when a player goes, for example, Jan Gregoosh is coming to us from Nashville and has just arrived, his registration didn't move because MLS is one single legal entity and we're unique in that. I'm not aware. There may be another league. I'm not aware of it. So when we're negotiating with a club in another country and they're saying, we want a payment every time he moves even within mls they're looking at it as as a scam they're like mls has set up a scam to keep us from getting sell on fees you're not going to get this player and we were able to navigate it it took some doing but that for example in a deal often becomes for those teams a leverage point because they'll say and they'll say we want this item we want that inter that payment for movement within the league and we'll say we can't give you that and then they'll say okay well we want another however much money. So that's certainly a challenge, but I do think the benefit we get from having MLS and the team of lawyers we have backing us is a greater advantage. So there are certainly challenges, but a ton of advantages as well.
1: So then you mentioned the Jan Gregor's trade, uh, bringing him over from Nashville at the end of the window, obviously some uh, on-field or reasons stipulated him coming back. Are you guys going out and bringing him back to the club? What's that process like of negotiating with another team within the league? Because you said, uh, obviously, you're not moving his registration from team to team. It's it's all within MLS. What's that process like for you guys uh, of making that trade call and getting the trade process done?
2: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, um, this was a unique one, as you've alluded to, because you know we had certain plans for this window, and it it, it didn't necessarily involve. A move like that, you know, we brought for those watching on the outside, everyone in early. Our goal was to have guys in right away when the window opens, we want these players in and we were able to do that right. Uh, when when you look at the guy, you know, Tajiri Shradi, when you look at Bristow, when you look at Puki, they came in right away, we had them ready to go uh, very quickly. Uh, navigating the visa process and all those things uh, and then at the end of the window unfortunately we've had you know some injuries in in, in the central midfield that we we had the injury with Ludd and we had the injury with Curvin and we found out about Curvin's injury um, I don't know precisely but approximately tw- 24 hours before the window closed so we yeah. essentially just hit the gas and and started getting out there to try to uh, find a, a player that made sense for us. And, and due to the depth of, you know, the investments that have been made by Dr. McGuire, the the ownership group, um, and we have a more robust scouting department than we've had in the past. And some may scoff and say, well, John Gregory was here. You already know about him. But what that allowed us to do is to go out and identify other targets that we were interested in, and to begin negotiating with those targets to create leverage points so that we could get better deals from other teams in the league. And the outcome of that is that we were able to acquire Young Grigioch, but we were also able to make, and I use profit loosely because it's GAM, it's general allocation money, but we're able to make a profit by flipping the rights of other players so that we can cover what it needed, what we needed to, you know, pay. Again, I use that term loosely to acquire Yon. So, uh, ultimately, what what did that look like? Uh, looks like a lot of texts and a lot of calls. Um, and I think that's where um, you know huge credit is owed to to my boss, Mark Watson. I mean, Mark's uh, rolodex is is deep as is Adrian's. And that makes those deals a lot more efficient because he has strong relationships with other people in the league that trust him. And so as we're negotiating those deals, we're able to get to the point pretty quickly uh, because those folks trust his word. And in this case, it was a pretty straightforward deal with Nashville. Um, We were down to the wire. Uh, There were a number of things that were occurring that affected how that deal would hit our salary cap, Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: what players would be leaving uh, potentially, and what players would maybe coming in. And we needed certain things to happen in order for that deal to hit our salary cap in a way that wouldn't affect us in the future. And we were able to do that. But for that reason, it took us right down to the wire. Um, But yeah, literally what it looked like at the last minute was exchanging texts with Nashville until we got the deal and then a call to confirm and we got the deal done
1: sounds like a late night for you guys knowing finding out at the last minute essentially
2: yeah it's interesting though for mls they want that we and because we did that deal we actually got done early we got that deal done uh for mls actually by around six but they need to get the it's to get the international transfer certificates in for the other players that were leveraged in the deal um other teams ended up staying late in the night. So potentially, so yeah, I don't want to act like we were here, like <laughs> in the middle. Of- actually we got done fairly early, but there was a tension point where it was like, this has to be done by 6 PM and and we were able to get that done. Yeah. So, and we're really excited with the player. I mean, Adrian knows the player. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, part of that deal is us every time going into his office and saying, Hey, is this what you want? Does this work for you? And he, and he, you know, he trusts the player. He knows the player the player plays the same position as as injured players that we have. And so that gives us a ton of um, benefit on the field this year, we believe. And it gives us a ton of flexibility in the future. And that's what I think when you look at all the moves we've made this window, uh, you know, we're hopeful that folks on the outside can appreciate is we've generated uh, money in some cases for very little or nothing. Uh, and we've given the uh, ourselves a lot of flexibility as we move forward toward future windows.
1: What's that collaboration process like for you guys in the front office and Adrian Heath, obviously there's kind of an umbrella over there over all that Uh with you guys. So what's that collaboration process with Adrian Heath and the coaching staff and Mark Watson and yourself uh, in the technical department, uh, getting these moves in, figuring out who you guys want and who you guys want to target and bring into the club.
2: Yeah. So there's a number of uh, layers there. I mean, ultimately it, it's always going to come down to a conversation with Mark and Adrian. Um, but mm-hmm what we look to do on my end is to present a menu of options and that is every week we have a, uh, you know, meetings. I mean, every day we have meetings, but we have a weekly meeting effectively where the brain trust gets together and says, here's, here's everything that we've got to go through here. And and that includes looking at different, we call what we call scenarios. So if we, if player A goes here and player B goes here, how does that affect our cap? How does that affect us for the next three to four years um, looking at all those things, it's it's really um, it, it's a pretty thorough process. But when you really zoom out, it's not that different than like someone playing a video game on franchise mode. In that sense, we have that meeting every week, and that's what we do. But then we take that right. And we say, and Mark, and is, you know, we're working with the scouting team and they're saying, Hey, we've identified these targets. And so we say, okay, what's, what's that target going to cost? We plug that target in. Here's how that projects out to the future. And then we can say to, you know, Adrian can say, that's the one that I want. Okay. Can we make that work? What does that do in our future? It, it's a conversation. It's sort of an ongoing dialogue um, every day, but it culminates every, every you know week in, in a meeting where we go over and and, and make decisions on how we want to proceed. But then, of course, as we get to the window, that's compressed, right? And so right. that was all compressed into a 24-hour window. But due to the work that our scouting team has done, um, we were able to, like I said, identify players that allowed us to create leverage to get where we wanted to go.
1: Two other moves I find uh, interesting on how they kind of operate because they are more new mechanisms to the league than what they've had in the past. Uh, starting with Emmanuel eway coming up from mnufc to obviously a brand-new league, I guess, underneath uh MLS how is what's the process of signing a guy from MNUFC2 to bringing him to MLS I, obviously there was the there's a couple times earlier this year where it was the one day contracts because they because the club needed uh, manual Eway and some others on the bench but now he's full time uh brought in full time what's that process like and what's the difference between signing a guy from MNUFC2 or signing a guy from another team
2: yeah it's a lot easier uh <laughs> With this one, it was Alex Derosa, who's the uh, VP of Soccer Operations, and and is acts as the general manager of the second team. Uh, called uh, called uh, Emmanuel and said, "Manny, uh, you know, come upstairs. We want to talk to you." Um, and uh, you know, presented the offer to the player. Uh, And then we did something formal the next day. But in that case, it was, you know, it was a player that Adrian had watched for a long time. We, you know, as part of developing our our scouting team and and our process here, there's been a big push to identify players that we have here. You know, is the answer in the room, right, is the first question. And in, in this case, in the building in Blaine and, you know, needing an additional attacking threat to provide depth this year. Um, Adrian had, you know, he's out at the second team games watching, he knows the players very well. Uh, he knows the players in the Academy that are coming up. And so he's able to say, uh, you know, I think that Emmanuel Eway is an answer for us. So let's get him in. And obviously a draft pick was used on, on Emmanuel as well to, to preserve our rights to him, but he's been with the organization. Uh, And he's a, you know, a Minnesota kid. Everybody knows him. So, yeah, I mean, it was a cool experience. It was easy for that in terms of deals done this window. Easiest one by far. All credit to Alex DeRosa for that. And and Alex has an incredible relationship with the players on that team. And that made it easy as well. Um, So, yeah, that was a fun one uh, amongst all of them because, you know, he's the players excited. Um, And it, it was cool to get to know him a little bit during that process as well to see, you know, just what a uh, what a thoughtful guy he is going through the process, asking about how it affects his future. And, and he had a pretty, he had an understanding of some of the uh, the financial details that not many players do. Uh, and okay. I was impressed by that. So found him to be incredibly impressive and just excited to have him uh, as part of the future of the club.
1: And then, so then Ishmael Tajiri-Sharadi, the final move I want to talk about here, uh, a free agent guy who he was on the market, bringing him in mid-season after uh, being let go by LAFC last, uh, during the off season. What's I get the free agent thing is new to MLS, obviously, relatively new speaking, uh, considering the rest of the league's history. What's that process like? Because obviously we mentioned before that players don't sign for teams. They sign for the league here, or at least that's how it is understood by FIFA. Uh, yeah. What's that process like of bringing in a free agent uh, within MLS?
2: Uh, also a lot easier. I- an interesting one here uh, with uh, Izzy is that, we for, and for me just to zoom out a little bit like mm-hmm. my this is the the one that i find the most interesting for me i think this is the for the club lowest risk high or, or, there's risk but it's it's the highest upside deal with the most minimal front end work because he was a free agent right there's no transfer fee involved uh he's a player that we know has experience in the league and we know he's the player that has a tremendous upside if he can stay healthy. And that's been the big focus. So in this case, the deal was uh, we knew he was a free agent when he left the league. If you Google it, it's been widely reported. Um, New England deemed him medically unfit to play and said that he was, he had suffered a, a career ending injury. And so Izzy went to Germany and got some medical treatment, got healthy and, and declared himself ready to play. He then went and played in in Cyprus for a short time to kind of show teams that, that he could go again. And this is a player, you know, that scored. Uh, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but approximately 30 goals in 90 games in MLS as a winger. So we know he can go. Uh, and uh, we we knew he was available. We we spoke with his agent. Um, there was mutual interest, and because he was a free agent, it made the deal really easy. Um, it, you know, we, we made an offer, uh, there was some negotiation and and we brought him in. Um, there's no transfer fee, nothing like that. So really that was about the simplest deal, um, that we did. And, and one that I personally am particularly excited about if we can keep him healthy. I will say, I'd also just say, you know, since this is a, a public forum, I would just give a huge credit to, uh, our medical staff, Dr. Bershaw, um. Mm-hmm. Donnie spent a really significant amount of time of set because of the report out of New England assessing Ishmael um making sure we could declare him healthy and and even you know Dr McGuire got involved and, and weighed in a bit so there were a lot of minds much smarter than than you know Mark and I uh, and our team involved in that process to to make sure he was healthy and um you know hopefully we can he's out right now with a little tweak unfortunately but hopefully we can get him healthy and ready to go and and he's a really exciting one that i'd urge people to keep an eye on
1: so then one full transfer window under your belt what's the what's the biggest thing you've learned throughout this entire process
2: that's a really good question um things change quickly things change quickly and just to uh it sounds right. This is so trite now, right? But just the trust, trust the process. Uh, <laughs> you know, we have a. Pro- I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to give credit to Sam Hinky here, but just just trust the process. I mean, we've worked really hard to establish a process and fundamental things that we do every single day in this office to make ourselves better uh, and to to efficiently identify talent. And if we do those things every single day, uh, we're going to be successful. And a massive credit uh, is due to. Um, Logan Kunick um who is our player finance director who really is the engine room on these deals when it comes to making our cap work when it comes to uh, fitting um fitting 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 players in in a way that makes sense for us and, and managing our costs for the future we you know we wouldn't have had the window that we had without him um and we wouldn't have been able to do what we did to, uh, leverage player rights for GAM without him. So he's a huge part of that process and the work that he does every single day to keep us informed. But yeah, it's really just to trust the process, but but be flexible because things change quickly.
1: All right, so let's get a, let's dive a little bit into I guess the nerdier aspect of dealing with the MLS roster rules and all the GAM and what and whatever and all the other different uh, processes that the league allows you guys to use. And uh, so let's, let's jump into the deal that kind of uh, that all the MLS nerds really loved from this, from, I think last Friday where you guys flipped, uh, you guys traded uh, the, the first refusal rights for midfielder, Liam Nees or, or Liam Frazier, yeah. uh, you traded for them from Toronto for 50,000 in game. And then you immediately flipped it to FC Dallas for yeah. $100,000 in game. What, what, I guess the. What was the process in that, and what was the thinking, and how that was going to help the club in the future?
2: Well, the thinking, first of all, I'd say we were fortunate, and this is where I talked earlier about the reputation that Mark has throughout the league as as someone that that other teams can trust, and 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 they know him, and they they you know when he gives them his word, they can rely on it, and and so with this deal, we were really careful to make sure all the parties involved understood that uh, you know we're not we're not day trading here. Uh, right. We're trying to do the right thing for the players, but that's how this deal worked out. Uh, and it's you know we were sourcing a number of options as a as someone to provide a depth piece when Curvin uh, went down with a knee injury. And as part of that, we you can uh, you can buy a, what what we refer to as a rofer. It's a right of first refusal. So when you're buying a player's ro- if a player leaves the league. And so, if we really want to get nerdy here, let's do it. Let's do it. So, when a player leaves the league, uh, and but the team that he's leaving has made a contract offer to him that is a bona fide offer, meaning an offer de- we could get hyper technical, we won't even go there. It's defined in the league rules. A good enough a, an offer the the league deems good enough appropriate so we're not offering him a dollar just to maintain his right we're offering him something if that offer is made and the player leaves and goes somewhere else and in this case liam had gone to belgium so he'd received an offer from toronto he said no no, thank you i'm going to go play in belgium they owned his rofer his right of first refusal meaning if he returns to mls they have the first right to sign him no one else can sign him and shouldn't be negotiating with him uh, without possession of that rofer.
1: Right.
2: Rofers are not assets that are frequently exchanged, but it's something that we thought would is an area of interest that we've looked at. And so we were able to acquire Liam's rofer from Toronto um, for 50000 which is the minimum that you can spend to acquire uh, another asset if you're just spending GAMP. So we, we were, yeah, we, you know, and we were interested in Liam as a player. Uh, we saw real value there. Unfortunately, we weren't able to come to terms um, that we thought were suitable uh, for us. Uh, but, you know, I know that we we really liked the player, our staff, and, and we're really interested in, but it didn't work out. In, in the background, we were also looking at some other opportunities and we became aware that um, there were other teams also interested in Liam. And so, yeah, we were able to leverage that, that rofer that we now possessed from Toronto to, to uh, sell it to Dallas for a hundred thousand. So it, yeah, it took, I think from the time we, we bought it to the time we sold it. Um, it took, I don't know, precisely maybe three hours. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a win for us and, and, in, in that we, we were able to, and when you say what's the outcome there, you know, it's 50,000 in GAM and, the league minimum for reference is, you know, $85,444. So that's really more than half of a, of a player's salary. So there is real value there. And, and, and so it is a bit nerdy and it gets nitty gritty, but it's worth, it's worth it. I think, I think if we can make wins in those areas, then we have the flexibility to go get the players that we, that, that we want and that, that this club and that this fan base and the state of Minnesota deserve.
1: How do you go about judging the value for trading for something like the right of first refusal for Liam Frazier? How do you yeah. how does the club go about uh deciding 50,000 is is the amount that we want to uh b- buy that right of first refusal for and then 100,000 is how much we want to sell it for?
2: It's a really good question. I'm not going to give you a precise answer. We've done a fair amount of work on this on the back end and I, I would give credit to uh again Logan and also to our our uh the, there's been a number of folks that have done uh, analytics here in the past that have worked on that process. Currently we have a, our intern Lucas Wiley played a role has played a role in that as well. Um, but, but really, you know, what you do is you look at what's the market been in the past for these items, what have teams paid and, and what's, what do we think we can get? Um, it, you know, that's what it always boils down to, but it, it's really, I would say market research from what's been done in the past. It's not overly, it's not overly complicated. It's just, it's keeping track of what's gone on and, you um, and trying to uh, leverage it, but at the same time, ma- maintaining the trust of other teams. So you know, like I said, it's we're not out here day trading. I mean, there was real interest in the player uh, in Liam. It just didn't it didn't work out. And and can we turn that asset that we have into something that can help our team in the future?
1: Is it difficult to work within MLS's roster uh, building guidelines and all the different various paths that they allow you guys to use? to build a roster? Is it can it be difficult to navigate all these different, uh, windows?
2: I think it makes it for me, it makes it more fun. I don't know anything else, right. I, you know, from a pretty early age, I knew that I wanted to work in MLS. I, I think a lot of guys want to get into this business and go to the premier league or somewhere else, you know, really from that time when I was in Vermont, for me, my interest wasn't in, in MLS. Uh, and, and in law school, I, you know, I wrote my law review article on, MLS's roster rule. So I've always had a fascination with it um, down to why th- they were created the way they were. And uh, so I, I enjoy it. And it's all, you know, it's also job security, right? Um, I think there'd be a lot of people in the league that would say that. Um, so I think if we understand them and can use them to our benefit, um, we can be successful. So it's, not, it, it's complicated sometimes, but I think when you really boil it down, it's like any era, if there's, I don't know, if there's lawyers listening to this podcast, I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's no different than any area of law. When you work in a certain area of law enough, you learn the nooks and crannies and, and where the leverage points are. And I, that's what the, the roster rules are are like in MLS.
1: So then how going forward, uh, after this transfer window, uh, going forward, how do you guys assess the needs, uh, of the team moving forward? Obviously we talked about already the, the conversations you guys have with the coaching staff in those meetings. So what, what's that? What's that like of assessing the needs, what this team needs going forward into? Obviously, the next transfer window is after this season. What's what's that process of getting ready for 2024?
2: Yeah, we've already started that process. And in fact, we had started before this past window closed. Um, you know, it's all part of that process. It's sitting down every week and evaluating and evaluating performance. And it's really primarily at this point, also collecting feedback from Adrian and the coaching staff. What are they looking for going forward? Excuse me. Where do they see holes we need to fill? And then we also, as part of that, are looking at, you know, expiring contracts uh on our team, how we want to manage those going forward. And we're looking at a, expiring contracts throughout the league. And meanwhile, our scouting team and in, in Harrison, Andrew and Luis are always churning on the back end trying to find more players to generate more lists for us to work through. So um not a really specific answer, but uh yeah, it's just part of that process and, and it's already started and and I think we have a uh, I think we have a good plan going forward uh, on what we're looking for this next window. And, and if we hit it, uh, we'll be in a really good position uh, going into next year.
1: Are there certain profiles of players you guys look for when putting together your list of players you guys want to uh, target in a transfer window uh, to bring in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Short answer. Yes. By, by position, by the way that we play, I don't think it's a secret how we play. Um, I think everyone can see it. Um, that's the way, uh, you know, and in, in that, the The style of play is 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 dictated by the manager. Uh, this is how we play. This is this is you know there are certainly shifts within formation, but this is generally how we're set up, and this is what we're looking to do. Uh, often, you know, that's based on the personnel we have. Uh, but can we get personnel that fit the way we play? That's our goal. And so, yeah, we have very specific profiles mapped out based on what we want from certain positions on the field. No question.
1: So then for you guys in the the front office, what how do you guys determine success of a signing when you see them finally on the pl- on the field playing for the club? What's what I guess what are the the measures you guys look for in the success of a signing?
2: Yeah, I think it depends on who you'd ask on our staff um and that's something you know we work on every day. For me, you know, we have an internal uh sort of uh sc- you know score that we'll assign based on specific metrics for contract value you know I'm very interested in the value of the contract are you underperforming or or, or overperforming your contract I think for uh Adrian and, and the coaching staff it's is this the, the number one question with every player is are they helping us win do they help us win and to help us win um you need to be on the field and you need to be able to contribute and so those those are the primary factors
1: all right you said to bring this full circle here before we close out here uh you said uh in your intro, uh, describing your background, you were a former assistant coach at a couple different places. Uh, Minnesota United play Nashville this Friday 7.30 in the quarterfinals of the Leagues Cup. What's your, uh, from a coaching perspective, from your former coaching perspective, what's your keys to the match on Friday?
2: Oh, I have to be careful here. Uh want <laughs> to stay in my lane. Um, what are the keys to the match? You know, I think it's going to be interesting because both teams want to get loose encounter yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. uh that could mean it's really exciting or could mean it's a stalemate yeah uh, and I don't have any inside intel here I mean this has been a quick turn and the coaching staff has, has been holed up working through the game plan and 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 I don't have any insight into it so there's no intel here but yeah uh, so I don't know I, I hope it's I hope it's a fun one um I, you know I think yeah i I hope it's a fun one for the fans but but i you know yeah it's a good question does that benefit us or not in this in this match i don't know i don't know it's yeah i wish i could give you something better i mean it's a fun game it's a fun one it's an interesting one i think we're excited to to be in the tournament i think we like our chances Mm -hmm. um and you know yeah can we can we catch them on the counter can can we catch them on the counter yeah i hope so
1: i like it i mean if anything that this league's cup has shown so far is that every game is going to be endlessly fascinating. There's not going to be a dull moment because all these teams are going at it hammer and tongue. And I, I've loved every minute of league's cup. And it's been fun. Uh, This, this episode here for me has been fun. Endlessly fascinating because uh, the, the roster rules and how teams build their rosters uh, in this league with all the rules that are in front of these teams and they have to operate within is always fascinating to me. I don't know if it's fascinating to the wider audience but uh for those niche who those that niche group who likes this uh, i'm sure i hope that they've uh appreciated this hank thank you for joining us today
2: yeah thank you for having me absolutely a pleasure happy happy to talk about this uh to get into the nerdy stuff whenever whenever you're interested so appreciate it thanks man
1: absolutely Loons fans, thanks for listening to another edition of Sound of Loons presented by Alina Health, Minnesota United. Back in action Friday night, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on Apple TV. Minnesota United takes on Nashville down in Nashville in the quarterfinals of the League's Cup. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: From graduation parties to corporate luncheons, we all have special occasions that could use a special host location. Regardless of the event, Allianz Field is the perfect spot for you. With a variety of unique spaces to choose from, including the roof deck, stadium club, owner's suite and more, Minnesota United's home ground has a space to fit any kind of gathering. Give your event the professional treatment it deserves, learn more, and book your spot at Allianz Field today by visiting mnufc.com slash private events.